You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to RB1 Colon, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined as always by Just Clark Barnes. And Jordan Smith is back for the uh, week week recap, week 12 we're on right now. Um, what's up, you guys? Howdy, Pete. Oh, I'm back. And this time, I have beer, so I'm ready to go. Yes! yes! Jordan the knows day. the first rules of the podcast, BYOB. Huh delightful we've got obviously as always a jam-packed show packed for you today we've got you help no one uh nominees for week 12 and we'll be handing out that prestigious award we've got the week 12 recap where we'll be going into all of the games giving some wieners and losers and then by clark's request because it is handcuff season um we will finish up the podcast talking a few handcuffs to get to know and uh, and players that you should be targeting on the waiver wire since the playoffs are either starting for you this week or are just around the corner and the waiver wire is more important now than ever uh to secure your victory secure your pathway to a fantasy championship uh Let's uh let's start with you helped no one uh and the nominees are Brett Hundley, quarterback for Jordan's Green Bay Packers, who actually looked like a starting caliber quarterback, putting together 245 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, it's about time. Aaron Rodgers was throwing during pregame, so he felt the pressure breathing down his neck. He, he He's felt, about to go to the bench again. Rodgers breathing down on his on his shoulders, and Brett Hundley's like, Oh man, if I want to get this guy off me, I gotta make sure I put up a good game. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we have Peyton Barber, the running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had five attempts and seven yards, but two touchdowns, stealing and, all of the And who I Go always ahead. liked coming out of Auburn, I think. Always. Always behind a bunch of other talented backs. I'd like to see him get some run because Doug Martin, you help no one. Doug, Doug Martin did, did help no one. Um, guys. He's back, and I'm so glad Jordan's on this podcast again so that we can we can b- bask in the glory of this guy. Ricky Seals-Jones, the Madden-generated rookie, has returned. You thought two touchdowns was a fluke? Well, how about four receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown? Two weeks uh, is a trend. That's two weeks science. Is a trend. That, is, that is science. That has been proven by the laws of science. Uh, fourth nominee for this week's You Help No One, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, who is unable to take advantage of a vulnerable Titan secondary, only had two receptions for 15 yards. And finally, uh, Jordan Howard, running back for the Bears, who only mustered a meager six yards on seven attempts against the Eagles defense. Oh, my goodness. That one is painful. Uh, Clark, let's start with you. Who are you nominating as this week's award winner? I feel like I got to go with T.Y. Hilton because he sunk a lot of my DFS lineups this week. I figured the Titans are not good on defense, and Jacoby Brissett has shown me that he knows how to throw the ball to the good players on his team. But not this week. 
two receptions for 15 yards. T.Y. Hilton, you helped no one. I wrote in my weekly DFS picks, I wrote that T.Y. Hilton was a buy this week because I agree with you because the Titans have been giving up. They're, they're one of the worst teams at uh, containing explosive pass plays in the NFL this year. Uh, and I thought for sure that T.Y. was going to be able to take advantage of that and, and kind of pick them apart for all they're worth. I mean, Antonio Brown was coming off of his gigantic three-touchdown game and not saying that they're equivalent, but you know. Uh, good receivers should be able to eat against the Titans defense. But sadly, it just did not happen. Uh, Jordan, who did you have? Who are you nominating for this week's You Help No One Award? Um, my nominee is one that hit me pretty hard personally in my fantasy life is Jordan Howard. Yes. Um, just wasn't able to bring in. First, I want to give a shout out to Ricky Seals-Jones because he is like turning into a podcast favorite. Kill and him. also, shout Friend out to the show. The- yeah. yeah, friend of the pod. <laughs> Shout out to uh, that one or two people out there in the world that just streamed Ricky Seals Jones and feels like a just a genius today. You deserve some praise. 100%. The guy, the people who had the cojones to be like, hey, this tight end came out of nowhere to post, post two touchdowns. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bet on him posting another big lineup. Let's put him in the starting lineup. It was a good bet. Seals and Janet Jones, who are in the most awkward fantasy football league together ever. They've got divorced, but they're still playing in the same fantasy football league. It's uncomfortable. That's just, uh, it's awkward. Uh, Ricky, if you want to come onto the podcast and talk about your parents' situation, uh, we'd love to have you on. We're here to listen. But Jordan Howard. Yeah, tell me more about Jordan. He, uh... It, it wasn't all entirely his fault because I mean, Carson Wentz was just going off and the Eagles were doing Eagles things this year. Um, and the, the bears had to just turn away from the run game. So Jordan Howard, not exactly prolific as a pass catching running back, just kind of had to take a backseat this week. Yeah, no, I have him. He's my nominee as well. Again, for personal reasons, mainly. Uh, I even, and, and Clark can attest to this, even on this special Thanksgiving podcast, I was so hesitant about starting Jordan Howard this week against the Eagles defense. I also said, don't start Zach Ertz. Well, that just uh, blew up in my face. Yeah, um, and Carson Wentz having such a pedestrian 200-yard, three-touchdown game. Right? Ugh. Come on, Carson. Um, so, yeah, so Jordan Howard, I, I couldn't bring myself to bench him primarily because I was an idiot and didn't adjust my lineup before Thanksgiving. So I had already suffered the wrath of Orleans Darkwa giving me nothing. And I was like, uh, if, if if Jordan Howard gives me something, I, I kind of have to take it. And I don't really have too much depth. Anyway, enough about my team. Yeah, he he quite literally gave you nothing. And in fact... If you go to faketeams.com, we have a poll online where you can nominate and pick who you think sh- should win this award for this week. Uh, Jordan Howard is currently leading that. So uh, Jor- Jordan and I uh, seem to be in the majority here as to who we felt helped no one this week. Always happy to be the outlier, boys. That's what you're around here for, Clark. You are the outlier of the podcast. <laughs> Let's move on to the week 12 action. Uh, and before we do this, let me, uh, let's again, cause we, I, we really just need to stop putting the curtain back on the piano because we tend to take it off so often. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. I have to stop you. Is this like a running bit or is that a thing in the Northeast where you take the cover off of the piano? Do you never cover your back? piano? I don't well, have don't- a piano, Pete. Oh my goodness. I don't have a piano either, but <laughs> I don't even have a headboard. Jordan's making uh, me feel bad. He's classy. Jordan's rocking. Jordan's rocking a hell of a classy <laughs> headboard right there. 
Hey, that is acceptable while you're podding. <laughs> that is it. That is a hell of a work of art right there behind him. Oh, it's heavy. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. If you're moving stuff, if you're if you're if you're living in a, a dusty environment, or if you're if you're moving things around and doing construction, sure, you throw a cover on your piano to keep it clean, to keep it from getting scrapes and and scratches on it. Sure, why not? I feel like I'd like anyone that has ever heard the phrase peel the cover off of the piano to please tweet at RB1 podcast and let me know how classless I am or this is let be, Pete know that that's not a thing. This is going to be the only time we actually get any interaction. So there's going to be a swarm of tweets just being yeah. like, I don't know what the hell Pete is talking about. This is an entirely a fictitious thing that he's created. Of You're tweets. the outlier here, Pete, because that – I'm a Midwesterner and that uh, phrase is lost on me too. So I don't, I don't really know. Damn it. I also did have a piano growing up. So uh, anyways, so the curtain is off the piano. Um, When I was doing pre-show notes, I got (laughs) distracted by the NFL.com's homepage because they have, and I don't know if you guys saw this, they were, they were promoting the NFL shopping. Like, you know, it's the holidays. We got all these sales, go buy stuff. And the picture they had, it was a woman in a Seahawks shirt with a man in a Packers shirt next to her, like with his arm around her and a Dallas Cowboys fan walking next to them. And I was just like, no, I'm sorry, NFL. Those three people would never hang out in real life. There's no no way a Packers fan is ever going to schmooze up next to a Seahawks fan after what happened in the conference championships in 2015. And what is the Dallas fan doing there? It's like, that's like having a Broncos and Patriots fan cuddling together while the Steelers stand there watching from the sideline. Not happening. Love knows no football allegiances sometimes, Pete. Does it, though? Does it? I don't know. I'm fortunate enough that my girlfriend doesn't care about football, so win. Win. Being a Packers fan, that's like the trifecta of NFC teams just hating each other that aren't in their own divisions. Exactly! I mean, we've... We haven't really had too big of a run in recent years against like the Lions or the Bears or the Vikings. So we've outsourced our rivalries to the Seahawks and the Cowboys. And that's just and that's just and that's just it's just poor. It's not knowing your fan base there, NFL. These are all they're picturing. Obviously, they're marketing towards bandwagon fans, fair weather fans, which come on, NFL, you could do better. But anyways, with those three, uh, let's actually delve into the week 12 action. And let's start with the first game on Sunday, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Atlanta Falcons. And you guys, you guys, you hear that music in the background? It's slowly building because it's a Peter Rogers victory dance. Nailed this one. Um, that's right. If you didn't listen to the Thanksgiving podcast, A, you missed out. B, I uh, closed it by saying that you should start literally everyone on the Falcons uh, offense, but primarily Julio Jones. And what do you know? Uh, Julio is the reason why I was okay with Jordan Howard doing nothing because he went off for 12 catches, 253 yards, and two touchdowns. Oh my goodness, the performance of a lifetime. Um, but we could we could spend most of this time just me groveling at the fact that I wish I was six three that beautifully chiseled and was able to run routes like a madman and and could do every well I am six three but I don't have the beautiful chiseled body or or the ability to run routes at an NFL level. But Pete, you have an amazing mustache, so I feel like that puts you neck and neck. So, um, I mustache. feel like Julio and I are basically on the same level. Um, so, but however, I do have a question, and I wanted to pose this guys to this to you guys because I feel like this is a trend that Julio is starting to get into, and I don't know how I feel about it. 
and see if you guys agree with me. Because I feel like at least in the last two seasons, this is what we've kind of seen out of Julio, right? Julio for most of the season, especially from a fantasy standpoint, kind of disappoints, right? He doesn't really do a lot or he's not as consistent as maybe we think he should be as an as a wide receiver at his level but then he has one or two games like this where he just goes off right he had the 200 plus yards game last year against the Panthers and this year he's got the 253 two touchdown against um against the Buccaneers would you rather a Julio that gives you this where it's kind of like you suffer through you know maybe three to five games a year where you're getting 10 to 20 yards receiving and then you get like a random 100 180 220 game or would you rather someone who gives you far more consistent where you're like roughly always going to get 80 yards a game i'm always down for the receiver that's just going to give you consistent points uh 80 yards a game because i always feel like julio's at some point during the year, he goes down with like a, a groin injury or a random hamstring injury and he misses a game or two. And sure, he, you know, scores two games worth of points in one game every so often, but that doesn't help you over the course of two fantasy weeks. So I would probably lean more towards the consistent, you know, eight catch, 80 yard type of guy, yeah. even if they don't find the end zone. I'm okay with it. Yeah. And for me, I, I lean towards consistency. So you nailed this one, Pete. Last year in weeks 12, 13, and 16, Julio went for 3.5, 11.3, and 6.0 points. Yeah. So that just kills you during the fantasy playoffs. And everyone has mediocre games. Like Antonio Brown this year has been a little bit more boom bust than normal. If your team is great and you just happen to have Julio Jones as your number one receiver, well, then it's fine to pick up that 30-point game and then a five-point game because you can suffer that. But he's kind of a killer in that he puts up a lot of bad games. I mean, this year he had a stretch of 9.1, 3.0, Before his big 38.8-point uh, game in standard scoring leagues, we have 5.7 and 7.1. Yeah, it, fantasy is a week-to-week game. So if you lose enough weeks, it doesn't matter what he does in the fantasy playoffs. You're playing in the toilet bowl. So the inconsistency kills you. It's it's something where I'm truly I'm truly starting to reevaluate my Julio Jones ranking going into next year. He's amazing. You have to pick him number seven. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to pick an Allen and hope for? No, you you have to pick him. But But he's just no, I know. It's just, it is, it is bad. It's hard to say no to him, but at, at times you feel like you want to. And I know I'm I, it, like, it's preposterous to even think these notions, but uh, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard world we all live in and we have to, we have to deal with it. Uh, it is but, dope that he can like single-handedly win you a football or a fantasy football matchup. Oh and yeah. Like just by himself oh. is cool, but you wish you could do that more consistently like a right. Antonio Brown, who we'll talk about extensively, I'm sure. Yeah, and one of my favorite leagues where we have crazy storing PPR, like quarter point per carry, long touchdown bonuses. Ooh. Julio Jones scored 75 and a half points. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. And I still outscored that owner. That's impressive. That's an impressive showing. Um, yeah, no, Julio Jones single-handedly won, won me this week. Uh, loser for this game. I could say the entire Bucks team, but I won't because I've already picked on them enough. Instead, I'm going to say Matty Ice owners because you missed out on 51 yards and a touchdown on your stat line because Mohamed Sanu threw that instead of you did. Mohamed Sanu, funny enough, is the world's greatest quarterback. 
Uh, In his career, he has six passes for six completions, 283 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, there's not a quarterback around who posts a career ranking, a career stat line like that. Yeah, Um, I asked you this on Twitter, Pete, and I'll posit this to our fans. Do you think that the Texans would be better served getting Muhammad Sanu to come in as a backup quarterback for Deshaun Watson next year than rolling with T. Savage? I feel like they should. I feel like you can't pass up. I mean, stats are everything in this day and age of uh, of sports, and I feel like you can't pass up on those numbers. The Niners slept on uh, Muhammad Sanu, and they shouldn't have traded for Garoppolo. They should have just waited. Seriously. Got Sanu right. to throw some passes. Oh, man. You can franchise tag him as a wide receiver, go through the whole Jimmy Graham thing. Yep. Right. Yep. That's perfect. Um, final note on this game, Doug Martin got injured. So uh start buying your start buying your Jaquiz Rogers or Peyton or Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber shares. You know, who says no? Uh let's move on to a game that excited everyone. Uh the Browns at the Bengals, a game that actually I I didn't write this down in our picks, but I wouldn't have been surprised if this was the Browns' first win. Uh, but then you watch the teams play and you realize that the Browns will never win a game. So, you know, tell us more, Clark. Yeah, so the the Browns play like the Browns. They make everybody that they play look really good. And I'm starting to question Hugh Jackson here. I I thought he was a great coach because he made Andy Dalton look great. And all those good Andy Dalton years where he accidentally became the number four, number five quarterback in fantasy were under Hugh Jackson. But the Bengals haven't looked great this year, but they played the Browns. So they looked really good this week. And who the biggest winner was Joe Mixon. Ended up getting finally a, a stat line worthy of the work that the Bengals are giving him. 23 carries, 114 yards, uh, three targets, three receptions for 51 yards, and he got a rushing touchdown as well. So he ended up having a huge game. I've been telling you all for weeks that regardless of how talented he is and regardless of the points that he's putting up, he is the Bengals' number one back, and they have stubbornly stuck with that. So this week against a awful Browns team, Joe Mixon looked really good. Uh, the losers here. Oh, good. It was an impressive. Well, it's an even more impressive performance by Joe Mixon, who of course put this all the stats up on my bench. Um, the Browns were, have the sixth best run defense in the NFL. Um, so it wasn't like the. I mean the team itself sucks and is utter complete garbage. But they have been been able to shut down people uh, teams running games throughout this season. So. I agree with like super impressive to see Joe Mixon finally put it all together. And like, hopefully this is a sign of things to come and hopefully the Bengals, you know, their, their touches aren't going to change and hopefully Mixon will be able to take advantage like this throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that Brown stat is a bit of a paper tiger. Like you can kind of do anything you want against the Browns. So why bother running? I mean, I know they have some stout defense sometimes, but Touché. they are just bad. Um, the losers are the Browns. They make everyone they play look good in all facets of the game. Uh, anybody who started Corey Coleman, he had a decent game, but he dropped an absolute surefire touchdown uh, near the end of the third quarter. It was a nice pass. There were three guys around him, but he was not triple covered, and he just dropped it. And then uh, I have a, a mini rant here. Another loser is the NFL. Between the constant replays, no idea what a reception is. And depending on which ref you get, which day it being illegal to hit a wide receiver attempting to catch the football, the NFL is really managing to ruin a good product. Sometimes it's, it's for, if everyone's worried, if they're worried about their whole kind of viewership, this is what's, I mean, one of the big things that's ruining their viewership. 
it's not it's not what everyone would like to tell you which is uh anthem protests which baseball are- games take less time than football games what it's the papa happened? john's pizza okay that's the problem <laughs> it's the fascist pizza man i've been telling get, you for get months john's out of the nfl unless papa john's would like to sponsor us in which case they make a fine pie in which case uh there are very few pies that i would rather have than a papa john's I want to say real quick, Pete, I think the, the actual loser of that game are the degenerate gamblers who might have a tiny problem and were hoping for the Browns backdoor cover there. Got close. Got close. That is a big, that's a big. Yeah, and Joe Mixon got a little hosed. He him managing to get through this game with only one touchdown for the yeoman's work that he did. He was moving the Bengals offense. It was one of those games that I watched where the running back clearly created enough fear in the defense that it opened up everything else for the rest of the offense and the running back was producing. So him only getting one touchdown, we came up a little short as those of us who did start Joe Mixon in our flex this week. Mm, wow. Humble brag. Uh, moving on to the bills at the chiefs guys. I don't know why we're surprised by this because it happens every single year because there's nothing more etched in the DNA of the Kansas City Chiefs than starting off hot and absolutely collapsing as soon as the playoffs come sniffing around the corner. Um, but that's just what's happening. Uh, Jordan, tell us tell us more about this, uh, I guess, upset, but not really an upset. I... I mean, as sure as people have listened to last week, they know that I have a personal investment in the Chiefs because I have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in like two to three leagues, depending on which player you're talking about. So I was heavily invested in this game. I watched it really tightly to try to figure out what is going on with the Chiefs offense. And to be honest, I couldn't point pinpoint one thing. I, I think it might start with the offensive line, first of all, because they really can't block for crap uh no running no run blocking no pass blocking alex smith looks terrible so the fantasy all around has suffered um it was hard to pick just one loser in this game and it was all on the chief side of the ball i would say kareem hunt because he's just continuing that backslide uh 11 rushes 17 yards they, he just continues to fade over the course of the season. I don't remember. He, I think he last got in the end zone like in week three, week two, maybe. Yeah, he hasn't scored a touchdown in at least six weeks. Yeah. Poor Cream Hunt. Poor Cream Hunt owners that thought they struck gold early in the season. I hope you enjoyed that 2-0 start. Uh, the winner, I'm just going with Tyrod Taylor by default because uh, he... Bye he boy! <laughs> he had 29 passing attempts and nine rushing attempts. So I like the idea that he's keeping the ball in his hands a lot and he's getting a lot of opportunities to do some things with it. He didn't score a lot of fantasy points, but he also didn't give anything up. He didn't throw an interception to, you know, Marcus Peters or anything like that. So, and he did the unthinkable, which is make uh, Zay Jones fantasy relevant. Yeah, I was gonna pick Zay Jones. He was he was actually a good play if you had, um, you know, a, a deep flex option that you needed. I just want to point out how consistent Travis Kelsey has been, even though he's been disappointing, and even though he's been disappointing in this game. This week is his, we're gonna call it his second low water mark at three point nine points. I mean, if you got Kelsey in the third round, like, come on, don't don't worry about this week, guys. It's okay. You're still okay. Burn the tape and move on. 
Coincidentally, I draft I drafted Travis Kelsey in the third round, and the first drive in the third quarter for the Chiefs, I got super excited. They were getting him the ball, but then they just reverted back to being bad. So it's so baffling. Like I love you, Andy Reid. What happened? Are you okay? It is his his seat might be pretty hot right now. I think I think he's operated by an alien, and I think the aliens uh, kind of like monthly cycle is in the winter months to start hibernating. So, and I just think that's what happens. He just kind of shuts down in the winter months because his operator, his operator just kind of, you know, fizzles out. Is it like a small alien that's in his head and you just have to pull on the mustache to open up? The- I think so. I think that has to be where you get into <laughs> contact the alien. Cause otherwise I don't know why he keeps that thing around. That would explain why he doesn't have any sort of time management skills because as an alien, he's not he, accustomed to our He doesn't time. know what time that's is. True. They, they travel relevant. time as a, as a fifth and fourth dimension. It makes sense. We've solved Andy Reid, you guys. <laughs> let's stay in the AFC East and let's tackle my game of the week. The Miami Dolphins going to New England to face the Patriots. And my goodness, what a marvelous game this was to witness. Uh, and I say that with all truthfulness, except for the fact that Ted Harris had a horrible snap that return ended up into a Miami Dolphins touchdown. But we don't talk about that. Winner for this game. Uh, Patriots backfield is now just two guys. Uh Deion Lewis carried the ball for 15 yards for 15. That Deion Lewis had 15 carries for 112 yards. Well, sexy Rexy Burkhead uh, made a glorious return with 13 carries for 50 yards in a touchdown and added another touchdown through the air. Um, we've, and I'm sure most any fantasy entity have done this, but we on the podcast have tracked the uh, Patriots backfield pretty extensively right now. Uh, and it's playing out just as what we've been saying. That is it's Dion Lewis and it's Rex Burkhead. James White has a tiny, tiny role here and there. I honestly think that they are just saving him for the playoffs and that he's going to be unleashed uh, in like the AFC championship game against the Steelers for 13 catches, 110 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Mike Gillisley is just gone. He's populating Bill Belichick's doghouse for whatever reason. Uh, so Rex Burkhead, if he is available on your team on waivers, go get him. Deion Lewis should not be available in anyone's league at this point. But if he is, make sure you get him and then trade him for Alvin Kamara on Clark's team because Clark will buy high on Deion Lewis. Uh, <laughs> I've already got Deion everywhere, Pete. Sorry. Other than that, Gronk is really good. Just a night, just a little reminder for that. Oh man, couple bad games comes back, peeling back the piano cover, as Pete likes to say. Decent, 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 uh, decent description of that. But all right, the girlfriend was out doing holiday shopping, getting everything taken care of. So that left me at home, scaring the hell out of the cats, yelling "Gronk smash, Gronk <laughs> smash" all day. I love you, Gronk. I don't care that you've had a couple of bad games. I just need you to perform in the playoffs. Gronk is amazing. Tom Brady is amazing. Deion Lewis is killing it. Like you said, the backfield is panning out how we thought it was going to pan out. It's just great to see this offense sort of function how we hope it's going to. And that's one of the first times we've been able to say that with the Patriots for a really long time. Brandon Cooks is amazing. Gronk is great, and we sort of know how the backfield's going to turn out. It's amazing. Having said all of this, next week, James White, 175 yards. It's coming. It's going off for the bank. Uh, Loser for this game is really anyone who's relying on a member of the Dolphins to provide them any kind of fantasy points. They're bad. They're really, really, really bad. Uh, 
I don't really have much else to say other than Damian Williams left the game with a shoulder injury. So he's probably going to be out for a little bit of time. So it's Kenya drink time in Miami. Woo! Fire off the fire drinkers. My it's time for Devonte Parker pick earlier this year. Not really panning out. Not, 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 uh, not happening. Uh, let's move on to the Titans at the Colts, a game in which, uh, you know, last week we told Marcus Mariota and the Titans to show us what we got, what they got. Uh, they didn't show us anything. They they had a stinker against the Steelers. And this week we were like, hey, why don't you do something else good? And guess what? They kind of also had a stinker against the Colts, but managed to pull it off the win because the Colts just sucked that much. Yeah, it was like three quarters into this game before I finally wrote something down for the notes because I'm like, you can't just say nothing. You have to come up with something. Both of these teams looked really bad. Uh, it was at least a close game, so it was entertaining. Uh, I mean, I guess the winners are the tight ends for both of these teams. They're both performing. You both picked them pretty late. Delaney Walker and Jack Doyle are both giving you consistent points at a position that's just seemingly bereft of fantasy options this Ooh, year. Good, good uh, use of the word bereft. Well oh, done. thanks. And uh, in high school, I started a band in the ninth grade called Bereft. I, I like it. Really I cool. like what kind of what genre were you guys? Oh, we were like sneaker staring or like shoe shoes gazing, I think is what the kids call it now. So so disco. The the lead singer had black hair and she was cute. So I was like, I'll learn how to play guitar. <laughs> I'll play a musical anyway. Instrument. Yeah. There uh, wasn't a piano in your band, was there? <laughs> <laughs> no, we weren't together long enough to find a pianist. Damn uh, it. Um, just kept it covered. We, we might have stayed together longer if we had uh derrick henry's also a bit of a winner this game because he just looked so much better than demarco murray uh so we'll see if the titans coaching staff finally stops being stubborn and gives henry the ball uh the losers we already kind of covered this in the opening segment is ty hilton man yeah he catches 15 yards just killing fantasy owners you, you can't bench him I'm still waiting for the Marlon Mack show to start, but Frank Gore, man, he's like 45 years old and he's just trucking along. He's not letting go. Still looks good. Still looks really good. Do you think that Frank Gore is gets kind of pissed off that everyone talks about how old Brady is, and yet Frank Gore is like, um, I have at least two years on this guy, and no one's talking about how I'm still in the league and still putting up stats? Probably. I mean, what's really amazing is the fact that he's run behind that Colts offensive line for the past couple of years, which is garbage. Still, he still wants to go back into the game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's one of those, it's another one of those instances where you would just like wish that the old veteran who has established himself as a fantastic player in the league would just finish his career on a good team. Frank Gore, Matt Forte, Larry Fitzgerald, all of these guys, Andre Johnson, when he was still in the league, like all of these guys, you just want them to end their career like with that one last chance for a ring. Uh, but sadly, they just don't seem to do it all that often. Uh, let's move to the Carolina Panthers taking on the New York Jets. Uh, Jordan, I can't say I watched this and I can't say that I really cared about it, but tell me about it. I watched this one. <laughs> I had Excellent. this. Um I had a good investment in this one because I had Cam Newton, who ended up being my loser. I'm going to start with the loser again here. Um, not because he did anything particularly bad. He was hampered by, I believe, a thumb injury, some sort of injury to his hand. So he wasn't able to give out the points that you would expect and want for him. 
Um, only and he's got hundred... a severe case of Duchausen syndrome as well. Ouch. That cuts to the core. <laughs> um, he only had 168 yards through the air. Luckily, he salvaged some points for the day with a rushing touchdown, but uh, he only ended 11 of 28, which is objectively bad. And um, yeah, he. I just think he could have had a bigger, bigger week, especially against this Jets team. Uh, winner. Continuing the trend with just fantastic wide receiver play this past week. Uh, Robbie Anderson putting up like 32 fantasy points, uh, six catches, 146 yards, and just two magnificent touchdown pass or touchdown receptions. One was just a spectacular catch, and then the other one was just a broken play that he just sprung loose. Found yeah, he just turned that up. Yeah. It's it's beautiful to watch. I mean, a lot of times, and I, I said, I mean, I know when I just introduced this game, I was like, ah, I don't really care about either of these teams. Why should I pay attention to this? The Robbie Anderson emergence in, in New York has been very fun to watch. I will say that more as a fantasy fan rather than a Patriots fan, obviously, but as a fantasy fan, uh, especially when Quincy and Noonwan went down, you were just kind of like, oh my God, like who the hell is going to come out of this offense and give me any kind of value. And Robbie Anderson has been doing fantastically. I think he scored a touchdown in the last five games, each of the last five games. And on some yeah. very nice plays, not just getting lucky yeah. and getting open. Like he's making plays. He's good. Yeah. I mean, folks out there, I know it's scary. I know you don't want to play a jet in fantasy football because that can have some scary implications, but Robbie Anderson, if you have him, he's worth a wide receiver one start at this point. He's that good. Yep, I completely agree. Let's move on to the battle of the NFC. The battle amongst the two two of the best teams in the NFC, excluding the Eagles. We'll get to them later. But the Saints coming off of eight straight wins faced off against the LA Rams. And my goodness, this game lived up to the billing, if you ask me. Uh, the winner, I there was a lot of winners to pick from this game, at least in my mind, but... Once you sit down and you really let all of the facts and the stats and the numbers digest, the obvious is the guy who comes out on top is Alvin Kamara, who has been, while Kareem Hunt has been struggling, Alvin Kamara has just ascended to the top and is easily uh, should be the favorite for rookie of the year. I don't, I can't think of a single rookie who's going to overtake him if he keeps putting up these numbers. Uh, he, we also asked on fake te- on fake teams on Twitter. We asked who people's best waiver wire ad was, and he was unanimously, uh, unanimously chosen as that. And I think he is probably this year the best waiver wire ad. Uh, he had five carries for 87 yards and a touchdown, plus six catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. He's yeah, like I said, he's been fantastic, uh, and his ascent has been pretty much going going on as Kareem's hunt decline nailed it. Uh, Inversely related. Beautiful. Uh, also, shout out to Cooper Cup uh, for bouncing back from a rough game. Uh, he had he put up a nice game, so that's my boy. Yeah, this game had everything. It had a good Rams team that I'm rooting for super hard. Um, it had a good Saints team with Alvin Kamara, and it had Jim Nance and Tony Romo, of course, announcing it. With Romo coming up with the best analogy for Alvin Kamara, he looked a little bit like Brian Westbrook, and I totally agree. Ooh, I love that. Also... When you said this game has everything, do you guys watch the SNL, uh, the SNL sketch with Bill Hader when he's Stefan talking about <laughs> New York nightclubs? This club has everything. This game has everything. It's got 
Tony Romo comparing running backs to other running backs. It's got Alvin Kamara <laughs> winning rookie of the year. That's Loser exactly this it. Game. That's exactly it. Loser for this game, Michael Thomas. Uh, not so much this game, just kind of this season. Just kind of like, where you been, Michael? Uh, hasn't scored a touchdown since week four. Uh, his average, he's averaging nine targets and six catches and 73 yards a game throughout this season, but he's had some lulls. Uh, I just want more out of him. You know, he had nine mm-hmm. touchdowns last year and, and everyone, I mean, and I'm not alone. Everyone thought that the, with Brandon cooks out of the picture, he would just, he would ascend into NFL and fantasy stardom. And that just, uh, just hasn't quite happened. Yeah, you expect him to be, you know, a sneaky wide receiver one, but nobody predicted the Saints would actually have a balanced offense. Right. No, for sure. Beautiful. Uh, Let us then turn to the actual best team in the NFC and the best team in the NFL, the Bears at the Eagles. Uh, Jordan, talk to us about this showdown in Philly. My my top note for this one, it wasn't a very compelling game, obviously, because the the Philadelphia Eagles just – continued to roll uh they took care of business when they needed to though this could have been a trap game for the eagles and they carson wentz i know he only had 227 yards but he did manage to find the end zone three different times uh he's my winner for the week and the wentz wagon man he just keeps on finding a way to to win um it's not any particular offensive weapon that he's you know teaming up with either it's just kind of a it's an all-around performance by wentz yeah, I agree. agree. Amazing. You just pick him up in DFS. He's he's still not the top cost quarterback, and he keeps putting up these amazing weeks. It's tough to pick out the weapons that he's going to use, the guys that you want to stack with Carson Wentz. It's tough to start Nelson Aguilar or Torrey Smith. Uh, Zach Ertz, though, the lone consistent start. Uh, had a bad week last week, bounced back this week, and the you, you nailed it. The Eagles are just rolling potential trap game. No, they just absolutely dominate a bad team and the Eagles look really good. Yeah, you got to be a little bit cautious coming up here, too, because the Northeast isn't the most fun place for a passer once the winter months months hit. But yeah, Wentz Wentz is doing all the right things right now. Uh, Loser for the game. Already touched on this at the beginning of the podcast. Jordan Howard. uh, You can't say no did not do anything with the opportunities given to him, but he also didn't have a lot of opportunities. It was just a bad bear showcase. So rough week for Jordan Howard. Yep. Let's move chronologically Seahawks at Niners. Um, Clark, before we get into your uh, little explanation about this game, let's all take a moment and write this down in our calendars that uh, week 12 was the first viewing of Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. And it was glorious. It was glorious. He looked like a movie star. He is a goddamn movie star. <laughs> the next Matt Castle, man. It's coming. They missed, I hope not. They missed on Mohamed Sanu. <laughs> Should have picked him up when they had the chance. This game, uh, so many drops for Seattle. The receivers did not help Russell Wilson, who ended up having a fine game, getting a rushing score. Uh, only threw for 200 and some odd yards. Didn't look great, but he was scrambling around for his life like he's done all year. Oh, Finally put it together in the second half. Uh, looks good enough. So the only winner here is Russell Wilson owners because that boy good. <laughs> uh, the losers are Eddie Lacy, 
He had 17 carries for 46 yards. That's with an 11-yard carry. So for you math fans out there, that's 16 carries for 35 yards. And it looked like that's what he did, which is not flattering. Uh, Sub-winner, J.D. McKissick is coming. My Bechamel Thompson prediction from five weeks ago, some guy that we have never heard of is going to come in for the Seahawks and be their starting running back that's going to carry you to your fantasy championship. J.D. McKissick looked pretty good this game. Uh, It's hard to tell who's back there because they're both dudes with long dreadlocks that wear 20-something, and, you know, that's about as sophisticated as my sports washing goes. Uh, But he's got wide receiver eligibility in CBS, which personally is really going to help me since I'm hurting at wide receiver. Uh, so I think McKissick is going to take over this backfield. He's, he's good as a receiver. He looks quick. He looks fast. And Letty and Eddie Lacey, Letty Lacey, I guess. Was Letty. Ooh. Bad, drunken accident nickname that we've just That's my cat's with. name. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's it. Yeah. Lacey looks bad. McKissick looks good. I don't know how Seattle's coaching staff. Yeah. Keep putting Lacey out there ahead of McKissick. Uh, we'll have more on that on the handcuffs you want to hold later on the pod. A little tease. Uh, I would also like to point out, again, we made mark of when Jimmy Garoppolo first became a starting quarterback in the NFL. We're also going to make a note when Letty, Letty Lacey uh, <laughs> has become a household name and a beautifully, beautifully stumbled upon nickname that will surely catch fire. Because that's the only way I'm going to refer to him from now on. That's what uh, drinking Lone Star during the podcast gets you, boys. Eddie Lacey. That's why we P-Y-O-P. constantly running on foam or something. Like it's just slow motion. He runs like a lineman. He really does. Which is and and the thing is, is you can't just and then we'll move on to the next game. But you can't just say that that's oh that's just because he's a big bodied running back because Legarrette Blunt is probably bigger than him mm-hmm. and looks just looks so much more athletic, so much more fluid, so much more uh, aggressive and quick and, and shiftier, uh, which is, which goes to show just how much of a athletic and physical freak LeGarrette Blunt is and better and better. So much better. Uh, let's go to the Broncos at the Raiders. And uh, before we really get into the uh, important news of this show of uh, this game quickly, winner Marshawn Lynch, you guys, I'm not going to say this, but uh, he had 26 carries for 67 yards and a touchdown plus three catches for 44 yards. So that's not bad. You're calling three yards a carry and looking bad while you're doing it. A win. I'll take it. If you're Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> What else? There's nothing else that really happened in this game to really be excited about. Our our uh, our That's first true. look at our first look at Captain Morgan failed miserably as Paxton Lynch looked both awful and got injured. So not too thrilled there. But I digress because let's be honest. There's nothing that needs to be talked about in this game more than Gold Chains near Keep Talib are the losers of this game and the losers of just general life. Uh, so quick backstory for those who have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, Akeem Talib ripped off Michael Crabtree's tra- chain a couple of years ago mid-game. That's all the backstory you know. You need to know. So literally three minutes, literally three minutes into the game, guess what happens? Akeem Talib rips off Michael Crabtree's chain, and it's a bench-clearing brawl in which, like we've given this advice before, Clark, 
Remove the helmet before you start punching. Well, it keeps lead to just that. Remove Michael Crabtree's helmet and then started sprinting around the field after him, trying to sock him in the face. And Michael Crabtree was all for it. And we almost socked him back in the face with a helmet on. It was beautiful. Uh, and to make matters even better, to just really add to this whole situation, breaking news before we got onto the podcast, Adam Schefter tweeted out that Michael Crabtree knew this was going to happen and, in fact, taped his gold chain to his skin so that Akeem Tlaib couldn't get to it. So Akeem Tlaib not only got to it and ripped it off, he did it when Crabtree was even ready for it. Oh, my God. I mean, are- I hate to be the old, boring person on the podcast, but do you need to wear jewelry during the football game? The only thing I can think of is, like, as an athlete, Michael Crabtree just might be really superstitious and might be like, you know what? I have to wear this chain. It is my lucky chain, and it is just something he has to do to feel comfortable. I don't know. I know athletes can be a little superstitious like that, but I, I don't know. Just It's a big-ass chain. Like, you don't have to wear that. I'm so, He'd probably run faster if he didn't wear that giant thing. I think it was just him not wanting to admit defeat to Akeem Tlaib. He was like, man, I got to wear my gold chain or else Tlaib has won the mental battle. I mean, like, what's the superstition there? Playing on a team that can't win a playoff game? Is that what he's trying <laughs> to continue the streak? That's what he's trying to fight. He's trying to break the curse. Break the curse he's trying to be able to defense. Akeem Tlaib's kind of a punk, though, so. Oh, he totally yeah. is. I love I uh, feel like. Either one of these gentlemen are fine, upstanding citizens, but <laughs> come on, guys. They're both also also breaking news. They're both suspended for two games. So there you go. Take that into consideration. That might hurt. Let's move on. Let's move on to a team that actually has two cornerbacks that we love to talk about, uh, but actually put together a pretty poor defensive performance. The Jaguars at the Cardinals. Clark, wrap us up or give us the second to last game on the schedule. You know I like to wrap it up, Pete. I know uh, you do. So it's Christmas uh, time, <laughs> right? Holiday spirit. Neither one of the quarterbacks looked good in this game, but Gabbert just without a doubt looked better than Bortles in the Blaine Gabbert revenge game. You keeping score? Don't forget home. about that. Yeah, if you're new to the NFL and you were like, "Wow, why is there so much hoopla and hypola?" It's because the Jaguars brought Blaine Gabbert to the NFL. Why did those dozens of people think that this was going to be an interesting game? <laughs> um, so it was a close game, and it was interesting to watch. I know I complain that I watch a bunch of crappy games because I'm not good at picking which ones I want to watch for the podcast. But this one was fun. It was entertaining. But uh, to sum it all up, with about 3.40 left in the fourth quarter, Blaine Gabbard makes a horrible decision and just throws the ball to the other team at midfield. Uh the Jaguars get the ball. The game's tied. All they have to do is get like 20 yards and kick a field goal with a couple minutes left, and they're going to win the game. Uh, but Black, but Blake Bortles manages to throw an interception to Tyron Matthew, which this was actually a beautiful play by Tyron Matthew. It's a one-handed interception on a rollout play where the whole offense is going right. Tyron Matthew, literally out of nowhere, he's such a little guy, reaches his hands up and makes the interception. Cardinals can't do anything. Uh, Jags can't do anything. Then the Cardinals managed to accidentally move the ball a few yards down the field and Phil Dawson kicks a 57 yard field goal. So the Jags still suck. They have a great defense and they have a good running game, but the Jaguars are still the Jaguars when they need to win a game. They just find a way to lose it. 
Uh, I mean, the winner here, we touched on it earlier, is Ricky Seals-Jones. This is two games in a row where he's caught a couple of tough passes and he's clearly been at least looked at several times by Blaine Gabbert and, and caught you know three or four balls for 60 yards and a touchdown. The loser here is Leonard Fournette. So the Jaguars are behind almost this entire game. And when they're not playing with the lead and when they're not dominating the game, they just can't get it to them and they have to rely on Blake Bortles, who is terrible. The one ray of hope here is that Bortles did get you a couple of rushing touchdowns on a couple of read option plays. So even though it didn't matter for this game, you put that on tape, you hope that defenses will play that honest, and you hope that that will open some things up for Fournette because he's really kind of the only game in town. But other than that, this was a rough game. Uh, (laughs) Even though it was competitive to watch, Fournette didn't do much. He probably killed a bunch of people in this game. Uh, But the only hope is that people sort of fear Blake Bortles rushing, and that just opens things up for Leonard Fournette. I'm stretching here. Yeah, that's a that's a crazy. It's such a such a crazy uh, hill to die on. Is that your your hope is that hey maybe Blake Bortles is kind of athleticism will bring Leonard Fournette back to fantasy relevance. We'll see. Frank Gabbert revenge game. Frank Gabbert revenge game is all that really matters. That Jaguars defense is more likely to score a touchdown than the offense, which is sad. And Blake Bortles is at the top of the list for Colin Kaepernick's collusion case. Yes. So it's just, mm-hmm. I don't, what do you do? It's not going to look good in the playoffs. No, it's not. And that's the issue is because this, this like Jaguars defense is Super Bowl ready. Like this is a Super Bowl talented yes. defense. And they just, if they just had a, a quarterback who, who say has played in the Super Bowl before, just throwing it out there. Just, just who's, who's a free agent who you could bring in. I mean, call me crazy, but I feel like that would be a smart move. But you know, well, whatever. a couple of years ago, the Broncos brought Peyton Manning's mannequin all the way to the Super Bowl, even though he couldn't <laughs> complete a pass. But somehow, Blake Bortles is worse than that version of Peyton Manning. So it's not looking very good for them. I think this is so cute that you guys think the Jaguars are going to make the playoffs. I think so. I believe it. That's- uh, even though I predicted it in my bold <laughs> predictions article, they're, they're not going to do it. They're going to find a way to be the Jaguars, and they're not going to do it. Let's wrap the week up uh, with the Steelers versus the Packers in a Sunday night football game that, despite me not watching, actually turned out to be pretty entertaining and exciting. Yeah, yeah I got knee-deep me. into a book on Sunday yeah. night because I thought this was just going to be a shellacking, not worth the Ford commercials. Yeah, and definitely a surprise. I did not, me being the Packer fan of the trio here, I did not think that uh, Brett Hundley would look very competent. Um, loser for the second week in a row, and this hurts my feelings to say, is Jordy Nelson. Uh Three catches for 11 yards. I don't think he's losing a step. I think he's just a victim of Brett Hundley syndrome. He's more, he's looking more towards Devontae Adams, and that's just the way it's going to be. He might clean up with a touchdown at some point, but uh, Jordy Nelson, single, single digit points since week four when Brett Hundley took over. Yeah. The clear and obvious winner here to me is Antonio Brown. Uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, my running theory on this is that he saw what Julio Jones did earlier in the day, and he's just like, you know what? 
I'm I'm whipping it out too, and I'm laying it on the table, and I'm going to get ten catches, 169 yards, two touchdowns, and a two point conversion. I mean, Antonio Brown, he's just one of those guys. It helps that you're going up against a shoddy Packers secondary, but he's one of those guys where you know the ball's going to him. You know it's going to be a clutch situation at the end of the game. You can plan for it, but you're not going to stop it. It's it's very Jerry Rice-esque. I hate to draw comparisons to legends, you know, with recency bias, but it is. It, that's just what it is. And you know that you know that Antonio Brown, once he got that 169, he was like, Stop I'm throwing done. me the football back. That's, that's my three pumps. This I'm is done. the signature signature on top. A perfect, a perfect stat line. It was the same with Gronk when he got like 69 touchdowns and didn't score for like eight straight games. He got then injured for the rest of the season. Oh I, yeah. I, I loved it. God, I thought that's what happened. And he's just like, I don't want to go back in. Why? That's fair enough. Sponsorship's not going to make itself. Exactly. I need to have my 69 career touchdowns in, and then I'm just done. Um, beautiful. I my favorite thing, my favorite takeaway from this game is the fact that uh, before the game, Mike Tomlin was in an interview was like, oh, man, we're getting really excited for the Patriots game. It's going to be fireworks. It's going to be a big game in week week 15. Uh, And then Brett Hundley almost beats them. What Mike Tomlin? You're you're talking about how the Patriots are going to be or going to be a great game when Brett Hundley throws three touchdowns and 200 plus yards on you. Uh, What are you going to do when Brady's in there? Come on. Yeah, he's got to pump the brakes there. They still got a few games that they could get trapped in. It's not like the Steelers have a history of blowing easy games and screwing themselves in the playoff hunt, guys. Come on. Come on. What do they have to worry about? They consistently Uh, look bad coming out of the bye. And following the Packers, they have two rivalry games against a Bengals team who's a little feisty and the Ravens who might be able to get the Steelers to play down to their level. Um, I wouldn't look too far ahead there, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Listen to I'm the just podcast. counting on week 15 fireworks because I am stacked with Steelers and Patriots. If that game's three to six, I'm going to be whiskey drunk on that it's, podcast, boys. It's going <laughs> to be a good podcast. Um, so if you're going to take anything from this podcast, uh, football gods, please, 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 a six to three game week <laughs> no, 15. No. So that you we can get that. whiskey drunk Clark on the podcast. Makers Mark Barnes is not ready for prime time. That's not. No. Uh, you know, Clark is a, a generous man, uh, and he wants to help those who are out there uh, in this in this season of giving. Uh, and he wants to send out a PSA uh, and help everyone to get to know uh, get to know your handcuffs. So, uh, Clark, why don't you start us off and give us a couple of handcuffs that uh, that fantasy players around the around the globe should know. When it's draft season, I'm not a huge fan of handcuffing because it's a roster spot that you're taking up that you're just hoping that someone is going to get hurt and that maybe they will, their backup will get some play. But as you know how things are going during the year and as you've seen how things are playing out with the backfield, you can start to identify certain teams in certain positions where if player a goes down player b is going to immediately get the volume that player a lost so when you're closing in on the fantasy playoffs you really need to handcuff and you really need to make sure that you're preemptively picking up that tim hightower or that cj anderson is going to carry other teams to victory so 
to start us off here, this was not so much a handcuff as someone that you should just go out and get. We mentioned him earlier on the podcast, J.D. McKissick. He's owned in 31% of leagues, according to Yahoo. We're just waiting for him to get 15 touches and six or 15 carries and six catches. He looks better than anybody else playing for Seattle in the backfield right now. I guess Thomas Rawls is just done. Lacey looks like he's done. McKissick is quick. He's got good speed. He's got good hands. And like I mentioned earlier, as a bonus on CBS, you've got McKissick classified as a wide receiver. So that might help people to go for the spirit of the segment. The number one handcuff that's truly going to be a handcuff is Giovanni Bernard. He's owned in 10% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, We talked about Joe Mixon earlier tonight having a great game and finally uh, bursting out with all of the volume that he's getting. Even though he looked good, Giovanni Bernard looked better every time he touched the ball. He's quicker. He's better out of the backfield as a receiver. He seems to pick up blocks better. So if Joe Mixon goes down and if you're counting on Joe Mixon, you got to pick up Gio Bernard, owned in 10% of the leagues. And uh, I got a few more here, but I'll kick it to you guys. Who else do you have for handcuffs that you have to own going into the fantasy playoffs? I've got people to you need to lock down uh, the situation in Pittsburgh. We just talked about the Steelers and how they're going to throw up fireworks in week 15. Uh, Right around the end of the season always seems to be the time where Le'Veon Bell seems to tweak his hamstring or hurt his ankle or some sort of injury catches up to him, which is totally possible this year, considering the fact that the Steelers have just given him an astronomical number of touches and have really been uh, seemingly avoiding kind of sharing the load out of the backfield with anyone other than just Le'Veon Bell taking it all on. So this 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 uh, this injury or this a uh, couple missed games could be coming like a freight train around the corner. So if that is to happen, James Conner is the guy to get. Uh, in fact, he is already spelled uh, Le'Veon for a couple times and has as been you know contributing to the offense occasionally um the biggest thing that you need to know about him like clark was saying is just that he's going to take over that role um if bell does go down he's already we know he's in an explosive offense in pittsburgh um and the fact that he's currently owned in four percent of leagues should tell you all that you need to know just in the sense that there are people so you know worried enough and that he has got enough value that People even with the, the number one running back in fantasy still on still out still healthy and taking all the touches, people are still owning James Conner. Still feel like it's worth owning him. So if you have Le'Veon Bell, or if you want to be super sneaky and screw over the person you're playing who doesn't own Le'Veon Bell uh, for the inevitable game that he misses, James Conner is a, is the guy to get. You absolutely have to go get James Conner. Like if you have those Isaiah Crowell as your fourth or fifth running back, you're not going to start him. You know what what Isaiah Crowell is. He's not going to get good at the end of the year. The Browns aren't going to start winning games. I think James Conner is the absolute kind of quintessential pick for this exercise of he hasn't done much this year, but there's a role where there is a running back getting 30 touches a game. You have to go get James Conner. It's baffling to me that he's owned in 4% of leagues. Baffling. Especially... Especially since, and this is, I can say this with exact, because this happened to me last year. I was playing a guy in the championships last year, and he lost the championships to me, humble brag, uh, because of the fact that the Steelers in week 17 sat Le'Veon Bell. 
they will do that. If they if oh. their position is locked up, they will bench their their starters so that they're ready to go for the playoffs. And so you need to have James Conner on your roster. So for this one, I know a lot of people already have a second handcuff to the long lost Zeke Elliott, who's out for suspension for a couple more weeks yet. I know the the big grab was Alfred Morris because he was the uh, second on the depth chart. You know, he's the veteran. They kind of knew what he could do. But I really like Rod Smith. Maybe not as somebody you pick up right away, but somebody to keep an eye on on your watch list because he's been uh, slowly increasing his workload. Uh, He's a bigger back than Alfred Morris, and that might be something that the Cowboys need right now because their offense is just sputtering. The offensive line, uh, they've had to shuffle things around. Zach Zach Martin got injured this past week as well. Uh, But Rod Smith uh, just passes the eye test for me. Uh, Not so much on the stat sheet, but passes the eye test because he just looks like a better, uh, maybe a little bit quicker running back than Alfred Morris. I think he might start taking over the the main role there as opposed to Alfred Morris. Plus, Alfred Morris, he's a little bit up there in age. Aging running backs don't usually do that well, and he could also end up going down. And then you're scrambling for another cowboy to pick up. Yeah, I think this is another guy that absolutely fits the mold of what I wanted to point out here. This is a guy that if something happens, either if Alfred Morris gets injured or the Cowboys staff just decides we're out of the playoffs. The Eagles are, you know, fifteen and one or whatever. That's going to be the guy that gets playing time. That's going to be the guy that gets twenty-five carries behind a pretty good line. This is the kind of guy that's going to win the league for you. So I love the Rod Smith pick. I agree with you. When he runs, he looks better than Alfred Morris. I don't understand why they keep giving the ball to Alf. Like maybe. Rod Smith can't pass protect or whatever, all these other BS reasons to not play (laughs) running backs that everybody throws out there. But you're absolutely right. Rod Smith is a great pickup. Why are you going to have Marquise Goodwin on your bench? What's he going to do? You're not going to start him when you can get someone like Rod Smith, who if something happens on Sunday, everybody's going to want him and he's already on your bench. Screw trying to fight for him on the waiver wire. Go get these guys now. Love that pick. Rod Smith is only owned in 20% of ESPN leagues. Get rid of that backup kicker on your bench. The bye weeks are over. Go go get some Absolutely. good, like, low-key, high-ceiling, flex-play position players. You're right. Very good point. Drop your extra quarterback. Who cares? It's it's play. If, if Tom Brady gets hurt, you're sunk. You're screwed anyway. So, so go ahead mm-hmm. and drop Josh McCown. Why is that guy on your roster? Pick up one of these guys. Yeah. Clark, do you have anyone else before we wrap up the show? I've got a few more, Pete. Uh, give, it, give it to uh, us rapid fire. I'll do, I'll do it quick. So, Charkhandrick West, uh, I know that Kareem Hunt has been disappointing, but the Kansas City backfield can be a lucrative position. Charkhandrick West only owned in 3% of leagues. It's one of those plays that if something happens to Hunt, You've got him on your way. You've got him on your bench before everybody tries to pick him up on your waiver wire. And then a kick, a kick and punt returner too. So there's some upside there. Never hurts to get a little bonus from special teams. Uh, and then uh, I got a tight end play. Yes, it's been two weeks. Pick up Ricky Seals Jones. If you're struggling at tight end <laughs> and you have no one and you've been getting one or two points every week, go ahead and pick this guy up. Why Take not? The hot hand. 
sometimes these guys finish the season strong. And if you already have a crappy tight end, why not put in a crappy tight end who's had a couple of good weeks? RSJ? Yeah, go ahead and pick him up. And then I got two wide receivers here. Uh, Marquise Goodwin is only 15% owned. And I know this goes counter (laughs) to what I just yelled about earlier in the podcast. But if you do believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, Marquise Goodwin is the best wide receiver on the 49ers. So if you're desperate at wide receiver, only owned in 15% of Yahoo leagues, go and get him. And then last but not least, Kenny Galladay, only 11% owned. And in the past three weeks, he's put up 64, 52, and 61 yards. So not amazing games, but it's that kind of rookie performance that if he does that with a touchdown, and if you're struggling at wide receiver, then he's really going to pay good dividends for you. So those are just a couple of guys. Focus on the playoffs. Get people that you might actually start instead of holding on to people that are just okay. Like, are you going to start Kenny Stills? I know he's had some big games, but are you going to start him? No, you're not these, these guys you go out and get and plug them in there and cross your fingers. So that's it for me. Kenny Galladay's been injured for the majority of the season now, too. So those past three stat lines, it's pretty impressive for a rookie that's trying to get himself into the end or into the rotation flow of the offense. I bet you he blows up one of these last weeks. Yep. Uh, excellent. Well, there you go. The more you know, uh, that's the giving season that we love to give. And, and now you know. So there you go. That was just me saying nice words in succession, sounding like praise. That's all we got for you guys today. Uh, we recapped the week 12 action and gave you guys many players to think about adding off of the waiver wire. So we wish you the best of luck moving forward in your uh, playoff endeavors. Uh, make sure to subscribe and like and do all of those good things to the podcast on iTunes. Just a simple uh, go to your iTunes. Go to that little search menu, type in RB1 colon fantasy football podcast. You hit return and we're right there. You hit download, get all of our goodness into your iTunes. Uh, start listening to us on the regs. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. You can follow Clark at NFL Clark and follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. As always, we care about your fantasy football team, and we will be back into your lovely ears uh, on Thursday. So, rock until then. Oh, that was weird. I don't know what I did with my hands. Yeah!